Alright, good evening everybody. Um, welcome to Straight Word. Today we're just going to keep going through the book of Colossians. We're going to pick back up in uh, Colossians chapter 2. So just a little recap on last week. You know, they were talking about um, talking about how we're reconciled in Christ. About how it's Jesus and Jesus only. And then we came to the verse 23. You know, that big little word that says, if. You know, talking about if indeed you continue in the faith. If, that's a big, big word, and that kind of separates a lot of things. So, yes, we do have to live a holy lifestyle. Not that it makes us righteous before God, but it sets us apart to God. Christ is not a license to sin. We can't just claim his grace and his mercy and continue to practice the fleshly lust it doesn't work that way so then we ended chapter one talking about how paul was was just um you know he was he only preached jesus and he was ready to give up everything in order to bring the gospel all over the world and so now we pick up in chapter 2. Now, just to remember, the audience is the church. It is Christians. This is the early church. Now, today's subject is going to be a little bit on false teachings coming into the church and how Paul dealt with that. You know, looking at what the Lord says to the Colossians church. Now the thing that came into this early church was something we might know as agnostic or Gnosticism. This came into the early church not very long after um, Jesus had ascended. Did not take long at all for false teachings to come in. Now Gnosticism, they basically say there's a greater divinity who created the world and Jesus is just a byproduct. Jesus isn't the creator. Jesus is just some good guy. And they also think that you can unlock these certain keys in your head and you'll be able to just that you yourself by your own mind and your own power can can unlock divine appointments and unlock divine occasions and and unlock these heavenly thoughts and unlock wisdom and, and unlock these these traits about us that that are no good really. So just a bunch of junk, really. Just a bunch of junk was getting in the church. So let's just pick up and we'll talk a little bit more about it here in a little bit. So chapter two, verse one says, For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Ladosia. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, so let's go back up to verse 2. Being knit together in love. The only way there will ever be unity 
in the church, which is what Jesus prayed for in John chapter 17. At the end of the prayer, he talks about it in like five verses, how he desired that that we would be one with Christ, that we would be one together in Christ, just as he is one with his Father. He prayed for unity in the church. The only way there's ever going to be any unity is if we all become knit together in love. Now, I ain't talking about that cotton candy, soft, pushy love where you accept everything and you don't correct anyone, you don't tell anybody that what they're doing is wrong, where you just kind of let everything come in, kind of like how America is. You know, we just let everybody come in, we let all these religions come in, we let all these people come in, and we say, hey, you want to do whatever you want? We let all these mindsets come in, and we say, you know what, you want to do whatever you want? Fine, that's okay with me. We let we let the LGBTQ, we just say, hey, it's okay. You just do whatever you want to do. That's not love. They say it's love. They say love is everything and love is is accepting of all things, but it's not. It's not love at all. Imagine if Jesus had that mindset. If Jesus had that mindset, then he would have never he would not have been the most controversial person on the earth. Whoever lived on the earth. He was not accepting of the religious acts of the Pharisees and the scribes. No, as a matter of fact, he loved on them with truth and corrected them. And that's what this love is. Now, love is not just constantly correcting one another. There needs to be a fine balance of encouragement. There needs to be a fine balance of of exhortation. There needs to be a balance of correcting. But whenever you correct... You must do it in love. You must have love in your heart. You don't you don't go and correct someone just desiring to just beat them up with a hammer. No, you correct them because you see that your brother or your sister has fallen away. And you say, hey, correct them with humility. The Bible talks about that in, 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 in First or Second Timothy. It says correct and, all, and with humility. An example of that could be, hey, you know, look, bro, this is what the word says. What do you think whenever you read that? You know, and then you just kind of talk to them and say, look, you know, you, you really, you can't be acting like that, man. You're you're not of this world, but you're in this world. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be foreigners here on the earth. So this is true love. And true love also serves. Being knit together in love, we must serve one another. We must serve one another. Like if you got a brother or a sister who you know needs help, maybe they need help moving. Maybe they need help um, financially. Maybe, you know, who knows? Serve them. Love on them. Help them. They need help with food. That's the only way there will ever be unity in the church. But we've gotten away from the Word of God. And I'm talking about the church. We've gotten away from the Word of God and the truth. And we've kind of made up our own doctrine of you come to Jesus and you'll get rich. Nothing will ever go wrong. Oh, and Jesus is all love and accepts everyone and says, it's okay, you just keep acting the way you want. No. That's why I go straight through the Word here on this podcast. That's why I teach you the Word of God. Because there's just so much truth in there. So now remember what I was talking about 
Gnosticism and how they said you can unlock this wisdom and, and knowledge of your own mind to understand more. Well, that's a bunch of baloney. Look at what he says. That there, in verse 2, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ. Here it is, verse 3, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So why do you think he's touching up on that? Because he knows what's entered the church. He knows that if there was a bunch of Greek philosophers who would come around saying, no, 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 they had, those Greek philosophers were, in man's eyes, they were genius. Very smart. They used very persuasive words. They used very big vocabulary, and they just thought a lot. But that wisdom was, was stupidity compared to the wisdom of God. And so this is what this is what the Lord is saying. He's saying, He's saying, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom, in whom, who is he talking about? The Father and Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So he's saying, Look, don't believe that junk. All the wisdom and understanding and knowledge is found in God through Jesus Christ. Let's move on. Verse 4. Now this I say, lest anyone should should deceive you with persuasive words. See that? Lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. Verse 5. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit. Remember, he's writing this from prison. We believe he's writing this from prison. Rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Remember how we talked about in chapter 1, very early on, Paul, could very he's very simply heard of their love for all the other brethren in Christ and how they would serve them and how they would help them and how they were very, very firm in their faith. Well, now Paul just is um, expressing that again. Oh, he's just rejoicing to see this all. So now look at it. Look at verse 6 and 7. Big, big verse, and we're going to park here for a second. Verse 6, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving, now, how have we received Christ Jesus? How did any of us receive Jesus Christ? Very simply, by the grace of God. Therefore, we received Christ by grace. So let us walk in Him. Let us walk in grace. In everything that we do. As you therefore received, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. We received Him in grace, walk in grace. By His mercy we're saved, walk in mercy. You could go down the line, but it's pretty simple. Now look at verse 7. Rooted and So walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Again, 
so many times in these letters to the churches that that they um, expound on the word thanksgiving and how we've got to just be grateful, constantly be grateful. We've got to be grateful about a lot of everything. But look again, he says, rooted and built up in him. Turn to Matthew chapter 13 for a second. Matthew chapter 13. So Jesus, he he gives the parable of a sower. And so I'm just going to read Jesus explaining the sower, the parable of the sower. I'm not going to actually read the very first verses. You can, if you really want to, go back and read verse one, chapter 13, verses 1 through 23. But I'm just going to start at verse 18. Therefore, hear the parable of the word. Remember what we're talking about. How did we receive Jesus? We received him by grace. So walk in him, rooted and built up, established in the faith. Remember, verse 19 of chapter 13 of Matthew, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony ground, on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. But, the, you know, we just read over in Colossians, rooted and built up in him. We're supposed to be rooted in Christ. Verse 22, now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But here it is, verse 23, but he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. James, the brother of Jesus, talks about not to just be hearers, but to be doers of the word. It is not enough to just hear the word. That would be someone who might have received it on stony ground. You just heard it, you found so much joy in it, and you ran with it, but you had no root, and you failed. But he who hears the word and understands it. Now, if you understand the word of God, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to know that you need to take action. Faith is an action word. We must be doers of the word. Now, I think it is safe to say that this Colossian church would have been that who received it on good ground and, and, and just produced fruit of the Spirit. And so the Lord's just telling them, reminding them, look, Gnosticism's in, but look, you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in Him. You received Him in grace, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Hear the word and do it. Pretty simple. Three more verses. Beware, verse 8, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. 
according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Listen, you guys. Don't just... When, when someone tells you something, don't just take it and run with it and believe it right away. Go back. Line everything up, whatever somebody says, line it up with the Bible. What does Jesus have to say? If it goes contrary to Jesus, then it's Satan. That's pretty simple. It's either Satan or Jesus. If it goes contrary to the Word of God, then it's Satan. If it lines up with the Word of God, then you know that's the Lord. He will never go contrary with his word. Let's finish up. Verse 9. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead and bodily. Of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. Now remember how I said they said that Jesus is not the creator of the world? But what did we learn in chapter 1 verse 16? For by him all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. There's a reason why he's, he's pounding that down so much, because he's just trying to remind these Colossian believers, like, look, don't believe that junk that those Gnosticists are bringing in, saying, oh, you, you know, there's a different divine. It's a more powerful divine than this Jesus that you're telling us about. No, Jesus is God in the flesh. He's the creator of the world. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Jesus is it, man. And people still to this day don't believe that. They go, there's people to this day that still teach this junk. Thinking that, no, there's no way Jesus could be God. It doesn't make any sense. There's no way that Jesus could be God in the flesh. That he could have walked around the earth. And, and there's no way that that was my creator. It's a bunch of junk, guys. Don't believe that. Believe in Jesus. Believe in the word of God. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him. Who is the head of of all principality and power. He's the head of all rules and authorities of kings of of he's he's head over all evil spirits, everything. Jesus is the head of it all. Don't forget it. Don't let anybody cheat you or, or, or lead you astray with other philosophies. Remember. Remember this. Anything anyone says, including what I say, line it up with the word of God. And if it goes contrary to it, then you know it's false. If it lines up with the Bible, then it's truth. Very simple. So that's all I have for you guys. Next time we'll be finishing up chapter 2. As we just continue through this um, very in-depth study of this wonderful book of Colossians. So um, you guys just go do everything for the glory of God. Go and get it done. Do what you got to do to glorify God in your lives. Be doers of the word, not just hearers. God bless everyone. Y'all have a great rest of your day.